Well, I hope you have your Bibles open uh, so that you can follow along and uh, check what's being explained and preached from uh, so that you can know whether uh, I'm being faithful. That's a good thing for us to do, uh, even through video. Uh, another good thing for us to do is to pray, so please join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us. You have spoken to us through your word. You've shown us the glory and wonder that is your son, Jesus. Please do that again for us now and lead us in the way of repentance and faith. We ask for the help of your spirit. Uh, please show us the truth, uh, the wonder of your word and apply it to our hearts uh, that we might grow in Christ Jesus. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. On account of the crocodile hunter, uh, has the world ever been the same? Have, have we ever been the same? Uh, love him or not, when Steve Irwin was in the world, uh, he made a difference, didn't he? Uh, he was a hero for the environment. Uh, he taught our children about Australian wildlife. He put Australia back on the map in terms of tourism. And he reminded us that crocodiles and toddlers do not mix. He did that as well. Yup. In one of his documentaries, Steve Irwin said with his famous passion, I absolutely live for my work. I am very passionate, very enthusiastic. My whole life revolves around conservation. That is my work, that is my life, and I'll die doing that. Uh, it's not hard to imagine Steve Irwin saying those very words, is it? And here's the thing, I don't think any of us, especially if we live in Australia, none of us have remained unaffected by Steve Irwin. Uh, his influence is substantial, even today. Which brings us to Romans chapter 1, verses 8 to 17. I wonder what you made of these verses as I read them out. Uh, it reads a lot like a letter, doesn't it? And Well, that, that's because it is a letter. Uh, but it reads like something from our missionary partners like Gil or Ruth and Ruth or, or the Newmans. And here, well, that's, this is the Apostle Paul and he's, he's looking for a missionary deputation in the church at Rome. He's introducing himself. And he's saying, hey, hey guys, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And so, well... Might we ask, as we read this, well, that's nice, but what do we do with this? Well, let's look at verse 8 to 10. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Notice Paul's concern is for all gospel work. And he's encouraging, he thanks God, he praises others about their faith. Preaching the gospel of God's Son is his focus. He tells people he prays for them and he prays for them. His concern is about God's will, not his own will. We see that in verse 10. Can you see the Apostle Paul 
Man, he is passionate. Uh, he is wholehearted about serving God in the gospel of Jesus. And like Steve Irwin, it's not conservation though, is it? No, that is his passion. No, it's Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour and King. This is Paul communicating to Rome, hey, I'm a gospel man and you sound like you're, to me, gospel people. And because we're on the same page, let's do something amazing together. Let's, let's have a partnership together. And I think that's the drive here as we start this letter. Look at verse 11 with me. Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Whatever that is. Oh, he tells us, verse 12, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Remember, a Gentile is not a Jew, it's everybody else, all the other nations. Can you see in these verses, here's the church being the church. Um, spiritual gifts help build the church and strengthen the church. And so when Paul says in verse 11, I long to impart to you some spiritual gift, uh, maybe you're imagining him walking into the room with a present under his arm and uh, all you want to do is get curious about ripping off the wrapping paper and seeing what's inside. What is it? What could it be? But you, you saw the spoiler, didn't you? Spoiler at verse 12. Paul says, well, it's, it's you and I being mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Do you think of the mutual encouragement of other believers that happens between Christians? Have you ever considered that to be a spiritual gift? It might not be the first thing that jumps to your mind. But this is what Paul's saying it is. That is. See, spiritual, uh, true Christian fellowship, where Jesus is central, is truly a divine gift from God. And I know that's extraordinary that the joy of one another is God's gift. We are God's gift to each other uh, in our fellowship, through our fellowship as we encourage each other in terms of our faith, that one thing we have in common. It's the gift of learning the scriptures together, the gift of praying together, the gift of growing in Christ together. And didn't we taste that? If you were in Inverell and uh, COVID, all things COVID, we went into lockdown for six months. On the 20th of September, we opened we returned to gathering together and we saw one another's faces and didn't we miss it? Didn't we realise how much we missed it, having returned? When we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that is a gift from God. That is something divine and deeply spiritual. Uh, it's a mistake then to take that for granted then, isn't it? And if the spiritual aspect of being together 
is lost on you, can I say that that's a complete and utter tragedy? Of course, having tasted that loss ourselves, which I just spoke about, we are in a better position to know and understand that which Paul longs for here. All the emotion tied up in wanting to see these people and share with them. And he makes no bones about it, does he? he yeah, that when he comes, it's going to be fruitful. It's going to be good. Guys, can you hear him say that? Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. We're going to have a harvest. Uh, we're going to bear much fruit for God's kingdom. Uh, that is what Paul is saying. He elaborates further in verse 14. Can you see verse 14? He says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, uh, both to the wise and the foolish. Um, anybody, everybody. I mean, who could we add to your list? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe they're Melbourne Storm supporters. Again, if you're in Australia, you'll, ah, you'll know what I mean by that. They beat my football team. The grand final last weekend, let's say a bit of that. And maybe you want to add Arabs, or Asians, or Africans, or first Australians. Uh, there's no distinction. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 15. That is why I am eager, quite literally, that is why I'm of single mind to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. The gospel is for everyone. And so Paul is a man of one thing. He's a passionate man about one thing, even strident. And he brings also, though, a generosity to this work, a love a planning, a strategy, and a sense of obligation to one point, this single-minded willingness to serve God by preaching the gospel of Jesus to all kinds of people, all kinds of backgrounds. He doesn't care. He just wants everyone to know what he knows. And we go, yay, go Paul. Uh, praise God for the Apostle Paul. Go you good thing, we might say. And we might say, yay for the church in Rome. They're going to be so blessed. Uh, it's good for us, isn't it? To remember that the gospel is for everybody. It's for all people. Uh, as I read these verses, I'm reminded that it's good for us to remember our partnership with missionaries across the world. That here at St. Augustine's in Varela, we share a ministry in Uganda. We have a partnership there. We share in a ministry in Cambodia. Again, we have a partnership there. And we cannot, uh, we will not forget our ministry to Hebron School in India, particularly at the moment. Can't do that. Uh, these are partnerships. These are deep relationships that involve people that we know and love and care deeply about. And that's why having a link to actual people is so important in this work. But at the heart of such work, at the heart of all of that work, is Jesus and the proclamation of the gospel ultimately. But is there more for us to gain? Well, let's keep reading. Come with me, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. 
just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Why isn't Paul ashamed? Because it's the power of God. Uh, we need to think about that. The gospel is the power of God. Therefore, we are not ashamed. Uh, my wife Tanya and I were in a shopping centre in Sydney uh, before our big move to Canada and uh, having a coffee. And maybe she was feeding Sophie at the time, not sure. But we had time, lots of time. And when you have lots of time, I enjoy people watching. And I was watching this one bloke in the shopping centre. And his job, he was clearly a salesman. And his job was to sell window roller shutters. I know. And he had his stand all set up nicely. And he would pace about trying to catch interested people. But no one was interested this day. When I saw it, I actually saw people, they see him coming and they change direction and change their path and go to the other side of the, the, the arcade or the mall or whatever it was. And this salesman, poor bloke, he would look downcast and ashamed and his shoulders were crouched over as he walked around, his brochures hanging around his knees, you can imagine that. He looked depressed. Now this is a thing for me because I once worked as a property valuer in Bendigo, central Victoria, way down south. And in my job, I would see hundreds of houses uh, each year throughout central Victoria. And I'm going to say to you, in all of that time, I, I think I can only remember two houses in all of that time that had window, uh, roller window shutters. In central Victoria, they're absolutely not a thing. Nobody has them except these two people. And so I'm thinking, I'm watching this guy, and I reckon window roller shutters are a really hard sell. I wonder why. I don't know. Now, I went and talked to this bloke and tried to strike up a conversation. I thought I might try and make his day, you know. Silly me. He mumbles back to me. He's got no confidence whatsoever. Uh, and I said, hey mate, have you got window roller shutters yourself? And are you happy with them? And he, his answer was no. No, I don't have them. Uh, okay. In fact, from there, he, he only just seemed to be downright embarrassed about his window roller shutters. He had no faith in his product. None at all. And here's the thing. Are you ready for this? Why am I telling you this story? Christians... We are not on about roller window shutters. But sometimes we might be tempted to treat the gospel as if it is like we're selling window roller shutters. Like this salesman who clearly seemed to think that they were unnecessary and embarrassing. He even seemed, by his body language, to just scream shame. And so here is the message. Here is the news flash. The Christian message doesn't stop at the death of Christ. And maybe this is our problem. If death is all there is, then we should be embarrassed because it means Jesus is still dead, still in the ground. Worm food. If Jesus is still dead, 
then you and I, we're still dead in our sins. It's not paid for. But of course, Jesus' death is only half the story, isn't it? Because we know, of course, Jesus is not a loser. No, he is the winner. He rose victorious. He defeated death. He rose again. And he still lives today. He's alive today. Price is paid because he rose. Do you remember last week, verse 4? Let's go back to verse 4 of chapter 1. It says, uh, Through the spirit of holiness, Jesus was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. So you want to know the power of God? Look to the resurrection. Look to the resurrection. And see that death is the loser, but Christ reigns and now he holds life in his hands and he offers true life, the full life to each one of us. And we cannot be unaffected by that, can we? We are not untouched by that. Life is never the same now, is it? Because we know this. We know the power of the gospel. We know this resurrection power because this has touched us. We know the one with the power and authority that, to forgive sin. We know him. He, and he's our brother. He's our king, our saviour, our lord. We know the one with the power to raise people from the dead to new life. We know the one that promises to live in us by his Holy Spirit. We know the one who guarantees us eternal life. And if that is true, we're not untouched, we're not unaffected or unchanged, are we? We're not unchanged, we're actually called in a deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. That was verse 6 from last week, wasn't it? That we are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You belong to Jesus. You are called to belong to him. And that, and that doesn't mean nothing, does it? I mean, if you think that through deeply, let that truth fill your head and fill your heart, knowing that you belong to Jesus. Let that sink in. As our, He is our Saviour and He is our King. We belong to Him and because we belong to Him, we love him, don't we? And we serve him and we listen to him and we listen to him speak. We obey him. We pray to him. We bring our needs to him. And we walk life with him, don't we? And because you know his way works, we worship him and we put our faith in him. So the gospel is not bad news, it's profoundly good because it shows us how we can be right with God and how we can have peace with God. And so we need not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Are you ashamed of the gospel? And you need to consider, reconsider and think it through what the actual gospel is. Who is the gospel for? We're told here it's for salvation for all who believe. Paul makes that clear in verses 11 to 15. 
There's nobody off limits. There is no distinction. But notice, it doesn't say the gospel is uh, for the salvation of everybody. It doesn't say salvation is only for white Anglo Anglicans. And it doesn't say salvation is only for those who are good. No, salvation is for all who believe. Now you come to me then and you say, well, why is it limited to all who believe, Adam? And I'll say that's because well, that's what the Bible says. But look at verse 17. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now there's that word righteousness again. Here it's a righteousness from where? Where does it come from? It comes from God. If you said God, well done. It's a right standing with God, from God, such as the love of God, through the good news of Jesus, God unleashes a power to change people at the crucial point. And the crucial point for everybody is your relationship with Him. That's it. And He makes that right with Him. When a person responds in faith to Jesus, God declares them innocent before him. The barrier of sin is gone. The barrier of sin that exists between them and God is removed. And everything else in the Christian faith then flows out of that. But you've got to see that the initiative in the first instance is God's as he accepts us as we are. He's the one that makes us right. It's from him such as his love. But again, as he accepts us as we are, he never... He never leaves us as we are. We're not unchanged, are we? See, do you struggle with worthiness? Do you struggle with God's acceptance? The truth is that none of us, none of us are worthy, not even the best one of us. And that's why the gospel is good news, because it announces that God takes the initiative, and in his son Jesus, he makes us so. He makes us right. It's good news because in the gospel it, the bad news is dealt with, it's done. As the blood of Jesus wipes away our sin and, and so now we stand in a right relationship with God. We now enjoy peace with God. We come to him humble and lowly and contrite knowing that he will lift us up. We are spiritually raised from the dead. We were once a spiritual corpse and now we're raised up to new life. And that is the resurrection power. That is the gospel power that we see in verse 4 and verse 16. And so we're forever impacted. We're forever changed. And so the gospel is the main thing. Is the gospel fruitful throughout the world? You better believe it is. Uh, there's over 5,000 translations of the Bible. Millions of Christians uh, throughout the world have access to God's word. Millions of Christians throughout the world are still gathering for church on a Sunday 
reading the Bible, being part of a community of faith. Gospel work is powerful work and it is fruitful work. Why else is the gospel the main thing? Verse 16, because it's the power of God. Again, we see that through the resurrection. Death has no power. Christ reigns instead. So what have we got to be afraid of? What are you afraid of? Certainly not death. Not if you're friends with Jesus. I mean, I don't welcome it or invite it, but I know that that part of my life is covered. It is safe and secure. Um, why else is the gospel the main thing? Verse 16. Because it's salvation. It's eternal life for all who believe. It's the main thing because it's the stuff of life and the stuff of death. And so, hear this again. Being friends with Jesus does not leave us unaffected. And it doesn't matter what your name is. And it doesn't matter what your history is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Being friends with Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And that, friends, is something worth sharing and speaking about without fear and without shame. Amen.